What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tyloo Soccer Cast, the podcast where we talk all things soccer. On today's episode, we're going to break down the last few days of the January transfer window, and I got to say, it was exciting. There were some record-breaking deals. There were some unsuspecting moves. There was some heartbreaking fall-throughs for certain players, and there were even some teams to fail to even sign players. And I can't wait to break down all of that with y'all today. I've gone through and picked some of the most exciting transfers, some of the most surprising stories, and I can't wait to get into it. Now, before we start, I'd like to say thank you for listening, and we're only getting better from here, but let's get straight to it. Now, I think y'all already know the first person I'm going to talk about, the record-breaking deal, the most expensive British transfer of all time, Enzo Fernandez. Yes, Enzo Fernandez completed his 120 million euro move from Benfica to Chelsea in the final hours of the transfer window on deadline day. What an exciting transfer for Chelsea. You cannot deny this guy's talent. I think he's 20, 21 years old and he's already lit up the world. He made his he really introduced himself in the World Cup when he came on as a substitute against Mexico and since that game he started every single game. He earned his spot and he really showed what he was capable of. And I got to say, he was damn impressive to watch. He just has all the attributes of a good center midfielder. He's got good shot. He's physical. He's got good stamina. He's always running all over the field. So he is just a great buy for Chelsea. And like I said, you can't deny this guy's quality. Now, I think one important thing to note about him is that he just recently made his transfer to Europe like six to eight months ago from Argentina. So he came from River Plate to Benfica for around a 15 million euro move. Obviously, Benfica kind of knew the talent they had on his on their hands by giving him a 120 million euro buyout clause, and little did they probably suspect that a team would already go in to pay that six months into his deal with Benfica. But what a talent! I gotta say. Some players, some people might see some red flags with that. Yes, he lit up the world. He showed he, he showed he's a, what he was capable of. He's a World Cup champion. But does he have what it takes to play in the Premier League? Has he really proven himself at Benfica? Now, he has been playing very well for Benfica. But keep in mind, he is a fresh player that just came in to Europe, to the European team in a league not as competitive as the Premier League, so we're going to have to see how he performs in his first few games. But I'm really excited to see him play. I'm really excited to see him in the Premier League. I think it's a huge buy for the Premier League. And I think he's going to be very impressive for Chelsea. I might give him a few games to warm up, though. I'm not going to expect him to shatter hearts and blow people's minds on his first couple games because the Premier League is just a different beast for any player. It's such a different physical game mental game technical game that he's going to have to get some time to get used to but i would overall say it's a very exciting deal for chelsea very expensive too like i said he just came to europe six months ago and teams are already playing paying 120 million euros for this guy very impressive i can't wait to see what he does for chelsea my friend roommate will he's excited to see how he's going to do and i'm going to be watching those games with him i'm going to be teasing him if he's if he's terrible, but more than likely he's going to be really good. Now, I think it's pretty interesting with Chelsea, before I move on to the next person, that 
they have a real issue right now where they can only register three of their new January transfer signings to, to their Champions League roster. And who is that going to be? They have at least nine players to choose from. Now, you could probably go ahead and discount a few of those, but you have Batty Ashiel, Joao Felix, Enzo Fernandez, uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, and a couple others, but which, you can only take three, so which of those three are you going to take? Now, that's going to be such a tough decision. Do you go ahead and take Enzo Fernandez, who I think could probably offer them a lot? And do you take Joao Felix? Do you leave, do you leave Badia Shield, even though he's been pretty impressive for Chelsea so far, and he's been a good defensive player for him? Or do you leave someone like Mudrick off, who is a little bit younger and still might need time to get adjusted to the team? Maybe they need Mudrick desperately right now because of their injuries. So I think this whole situation with Chelsea in the Champions League is going to be very interesting to follow up with because they just did sign like eight players in their January transfer window. And Chelsea have also broken – they haven't broken the record. Well, they did break the record for the most expensive transfer in uh, British uh, Premier League history, but they spent a total of – I think they spent over 200 million pounds, euros, um, this past January window, which is kind of unheard of. You would normally think a lot of these teams are going to spend that kind of money – in the summer but no Chelsea went hard in January and they got a lot of good deals they got a lot of good signings will some of these guys perform can can Graham Potter get the most out of them we're gonna find out soon enough they play their first game tomorrow at the time of recording this and we're gonna see how they're gonna do we're gonna see who they start and it's gonna be a very exciting game to watch so moving on to one of the more surprising transfers coming out of this January transfer window is Joao Cancelo to Bayern on loan with option to buy of 70 million from Man City. What? This guy is one of the best fullbacks in the world or he has been over the past few seasons and that's just such a shocking move from City to let him go out on loan when they still have to compete for the Premier League. They still have to compete in the Champions League. They still have to compete in the FA Cup. And to let a player of his quality go out on loan when they're in a very important part of the season is actually quite surprising. I did not see this deal coming. I didn't see any rumors about it. But, yeah, he's gone. In his first game at Bayern Munich, he's already registered an assist to Chupa Moting. So he's already shown his quality at Bayern. And you could argue that that's a player that Bayern were in desperate need of anyway, um, considering Pavard. He signed for them, but he's more of a center back. They were playing him at right back. Cancelo really gives them that creativity on the right side where they can push up the field and he can shoot crosses in, which he's already done in his first game. But why would City let him go on a loan halfway through the season for a player of such quality who they could probably get a lot of money off of? Well, there's been a few different stories in the media about this. There was something about Pep having a bust-up with him where those two were in disagreement about playing time. Cancelo is one of those players that always likes to play, and he does have quality to always have to play and always want to play. But he kind of lost his place following the World Cup due to some bad performances or just he was being inconsistent with his quality from what he used to be able to do, from what he was currently doing. So he, he lost his spot and to an 18-year-old, no less, Enrico Lewis. 
And Rico Lewis has been a phenom for Man City. Now, is he a long-term solution? Sure, but he's still young. So I still think they need someone of more experience to play those games where they're going to have in the Champions League. But they just let one of their best fullbacks leave on loan in January. Now, apparently he was like, if you don't give me playing time, I'm going to leave. And Pep was like, dude, go for it. I don't care. I don't need you. I got so much talent on the bench where it won't even matter. Now, Cancelo kind of came out with a statement saying, I just wanted a new challenge. I wanted to get out of Manchester. I've always wanted to play for Bayern. They're such a big club, and I'm really looking forward to this new challenge and playing in this new league. So you can't really discredit what he is saying. Maybe it had little to do with playing time and a bust-up with Pep. Maybe it was just him wanting to get out of the club, seeing that maybe his playing time was getting diminished a little bit. But what a surprising transfer, especially since Zinchenko left for Arsenal in the summer, and now he is really showing his quality for Arsenal. He is playing on the side that Man City are competing with. So what what an interesting move. I, I did not see this coming. I was shocked to see that he was um, leaving Chelsea on loan to Bayern Munich. And, they, and to be honest, they wouldn't just sell him. Now he will probably get bought by Bayern because a player of his quality in a position where Bayern needed to be filled I would see that as a no-brainer for Bayern, and you can honestly see that maybe as a as a steal for him for seventy million. So we'll see Cancelo light up in the Bundesliga because he's already shown his talent in one game. I'm sure he's going to keep showing it, and I'm excited to see what he does for Bayern, and I'm excited to see how Man City kind of handle this loss of fullback, an important fullback with their lineup. Now Nathan Ake has also been playing in that position, in that left-back position. He started over Cancelo against Arsenal in the FA Cup where they did beat Arsenal 1-0, and Nathan Ake did score. And Nathan Ake looked pretty good out there. He shut down Saka majority of the game. He was aggressive. Like I said, he got a goal. He's been doing pretty well for him. Maybe that might be a long-term option for Man City in those big games with Laporte and Diaz that could play as center backs and Ake can just fill out on that left side so we'll see how City manage without Cancelo but I think it'll be really interesting to see how they handle that over the next uh, few months where they try to compete for all these different trophies in the Premier League the Champions League the FA Cup so that's one to keep an eye out on so the next transfer that I picked out that I thought was pretty important was Sabitzer who is a Bayern Munich player, has made a loan move to Man United on deadline day following the injury of Christian Eriksen in their league, um, the, Carabao, the Carabao Cup game against Nottingham Forest. Now, Man U are going to move on to the final of that tournament, but they are going to be without Christian Eriksen, like I said, who sustained a pretty extensive injury, to say the least. Now, it's expected that Eriksen will return in April or May, so he is expected to be missing a large chunk of time, but he has arguably, arguably been one of Man United's most important players this season, and they're losing out on that creativity, that defensive work, that kind of box-to-box kind of guy, and we'll see if Sabitzer can fill in for him in that position. Now, Sabitzer is kind of a like-for-like kind of player. I've seen some fans who are pretty skeptical of the move. Some fans were excited about the move. I think it's an interesting move for sure, and I can't wait to see how he plays in the Premier League. 
I've seen him play for Bayern a couple times. I never really saw him play when he was at Leipzig. Like I said, I did see him play when he was at Bayern. And he did sh- he showed some quality out there. So I don't think Man U have completely made a bust. It was definitely a last-minute deal. It was one of those players that they knew they could get over the line. Maybe Jorginho would have been a better option, but he was already on his way to Arsenal. So we'll see how he can do with uh, replicating or replacing Erickson in that spot for the rest of the season. Or maybe he just doesn't play well and Man United have to like kind of transform one of their other players to kind of make up for what Erickson did. But anyway, that is an interesting transfer. Interesting loan to look out for. I don't think it's an option to buy. I think it's just a straight-out loan until the end of the season where he will return to Bayern Munich. But if he impresses, I can see Man United totally trying to go make a deal for him, buy him, bring him into the club. That way they at least have a pretty good backup for when Eriksson does return and if he were to get hurt again. But yes, Sabitzer to Man United was a pretty big deal considering that Man U had just lost Christian Eriksson. So this isn't about a transfer necessarily. This is about a club failing to even register a transfer when they are probably the one, the club that needed it most from the Premier League. And yes, I am talking about Everton FC. As a Liverpool fan, I think it's kind of funny. But in all seriousness, it does not look good for Everton at this moment. I know they just appointed a new manager, Sean Dyche. He likes the scrap in the relegation zone of the Premier League. He likes He's fought a few times with Burnley to keep them out of the relegation zone. So he obviously has experience with these sort of teams that need to fight. They need to scrap. They need to get themselves out of these uh, relegation situations. But he has got a job on his hands, I've got to say. No new transfers. They lost Anthony Gordon to Newcastle for $40 million, and they failed to reinvest that given money on a separate player. Now, obviously, um, Everton did try to sign a couple more players. They tried to sign Dan Juma, who ended up making a shock last-minute move to Tottenham before he was about to sign his lo- or his deal for Everton. That fell through. They were looking at a couple targets from Ligon. One of them went to Southampton. One of them refused to pay or refused the bid. That Everton had given them. And then when it was too late, they failed to bring in important players that really could have helped their charge to get out of the relegation zone. So Sean Dyche is really going to have to do the best with what he's got in that Everton team. And maybe he'll just have to do something different tactically with those players because Lampard obviously just wasn't getting the best out of that team. So Sean Dyche is going to have to try something a little bit different, change the defensive dynamic of that squad. And we're going to see if they do it. And like I said, it is shocking that they did not do any business. And it shows how scrambled the board is and disorganized they are. They failed to get transfers. Honestly shocking. I think it's funny, like I said. But it's honestly, nonetheless, if you're an Everton fan, you are pissed right now. You are pissed because you know your club needed new players and they failed to register any so are Everton going to get relegated? We're going to have to see. Now with Sean Dyche, like I said, he's a scrapper. He likes he He's done well with teams that have been in this situation before. We'll see if he can get them out of this slump. But 
it ain't looking good. They if they do get out of the relegation zone, they're not going anywhere past fifteenth. I I that's my prediction. It's very likely that they're going to get relegated, but I don't see them going any higher than fifteenth place at this point in the season. As well, they have a lot of work to do. He's got to change the mentality of a lot of those players. He's got to bring back life and confidence into that team, and they're already probably in shambles. Their fans are mad. It seems like the ownership is not behind them by not giving them new transfers or just in other aspects of the game. So, Everton, watch out for them. We'll see if they can get out of this relegation slump, but it is not looking good for them, like I said. So, moving on to another transfer, Taylor Navas to Nottingham Forest on loan. What a weird transfer. Now, obviously, he hasn't been playing much at PSG, his spot. He's he's constantly competing with John Uligi Donnarumma. I butchered that name. But they're always in competition. Now, I think Donnarumma more than likely always gets the nod over Kaylor Navas. And I think Kaylor Navas need to get out of the club, new scenery to get some more playing time. And so he's going to Nottingham Forest, like I said, on loan for the rest of the season. This is pretty interesting. I think he's really going to add some quality to that team, defensively at least. He's going to add some leadership. Obviously, he has so much experience being on so many winning teams in Real Madrid and PSG, and I think he'll really be able to offer a lot of insight to a lot of these Nottingham Forest players and maybe even make them a little bit better. He's got that leadership quality to him. He'll be able to kind of change the dynamic of the defense. He'll be able to communicate effectively with them or – Nottingham Forest fans hope and we're going to see how he does now what does that mean for Dean Henderson who knows now obviously Dean Henderson was looking like a pretty interesting goalkeeper prospect a couple seasons ago he was constantly being loaned out for Manchester United and there was one season he really impressed there were some clubs interested in buying him Man United were like no we want to offer you a new deal we want you to stay in the team and he ended up opting for Manchester United now Obviously, he did not overtake David De Gea for that main goalkeeper spot in the team. So they ended up loaning him out this season to Nottingham Forest. I think it was a loan. I don't think it was a sale. I'll have to check on that. But he he, he made a move to Nottingham Forest, whether that was permanent or non-permanent, just to get some playing time. And he's already looking like he's going to lose that spot. So we're going to see where Dean Henderson ends up this season. And next season, we're going to see. I won't be surprised if we see him make a transfer to a different, smaller club. But there's some interesting questions arising around him. So one final topic, one final transfer story that I want to finish up on is Hakim Ziyech having a failed move to PSG. That is just such a shambolic situation for him. Oh, my gosh. Such a horrible situation. He was all ready to go to PSG. Everything was agreed between PSG and Chelsea. And it all came down to failure to complete the paperwork in time. Or had something to do with paperwork. Something dumb like that. And the transfer failed to go through. Now, you know the players pissed. PSG are reportedly furious with Chelsea over this. Now, in Chelsea's defense, playing a little bit of devil's advocate, they were rushing to get a deal done for Enzo Fernandez on the deadline day, and they were 
almost close to not having that deal be completed in time. So you can see how they might be might have been a little bit distracted in not getting the Zeke deal completed in time or messing up the paperwork or not getting it done in time. But that is just such a heartbreaking story for him. I think he desperately needed to move out of Chelsea. Now, obviously, in the first podcast, we were kind of expecting him maybe to get more playing time under Graham Potter. We think he deserved more playing time. But Chelsea have just signed so many wingers, so many attackers. He's not even the first choice to begin with. He's probably behind Sterling. Now he's behind Mudrick. It just wasn't looking good for him at Chelsea. And his form was kind of questionable to begin with. Um, but I, I think he just needed to change the scenery. Even if it was for a loan move, he needed to get out and he needed to play. Because his time at Chelsea, he has never really been a consistent starter. He has never really consistently played, whether that be due to injury, whether that be due to just bad form. He's never really been able to hold the spot down in that Chelsea front line. So I definitely think he was in need of a move, and it just failed to materialize. So that's obviously very disappointing for him. That definitely puts a bad taste in the mouth of PSG. Like I said, they were furious. They wanted the player. He would have been able to link up with Hakimi. Those two were international teammates, and the deal fell through. In the final hours, they tried to they tried to find a resolution. They tried to get the deal over the line even after the time was up, and it didn't work out. I think Ziek was already in Paris. He had to fly back. Then he's already in. He's already back in Chelsea training at this point, and you can't imagine his morale is good at all. You can't you can't imagine it's good at all. I'm sure he is gutted. I'm sure he's furious with the club that they didn't get this deal done for him. I'm sure he was excited to get to go play in Paris, play with his teammate, try try a new situation, try a new system, and it's just not going to work out for him. So you got to feel for the guy. But overall, those were some of my biggest transfer stories, biggest transfers, biggest non-transfers from Everton that I thought were very important over this deadline day move. Obviously, there were very there was a lot more I could have gone over. There's still more that I might go over depending on how much uh, these players provide for their new clubs, like Pedro Porro. That deal almost surprisingly fell through. I said last week that that deal was completed, and then apparently it wasn't completed, but now it is officially completed, and he's a new Tottenham player. So for situations like that, I will come back on the podcast. I will update you on form, how they're doing, if I didn't mention any of those transfers in this list today. But these were some of the most important stories, some of the biggest stories that I saw out from the past few days from deadline day. But thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to keep updating you all on some of these transfers, scores, news. And I'm going to get back to you all soon. Thank you so much for listening.